with me to Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter 7 and then right toward the end we'll read a couple verses in 7 go into verse or chapter number 8. Acts chapter 7 verse number 8. We're going to study tonight on the subject uh, necessary difficulty. Necessary difficulty. How many of you hate difficulty as much as I do? <clears throat> but how many of you realize sometimes it's necessary? Sometimes it's necessary. We don't like it. We don't like pain. We don't like suffering. We don't like persecution. We don't like anything that goes along with that. But sometimes God uses it in a great way. And God uses it to bring glory to himself and to accomplish his purposes. And that's kind of what we're going to see tonight. All right. Acts chapter 7. And we're going to start. Let's see. Let's start in verse number uh, 57. 57. If you'll remember the last time that we were here on Wednesday night, uh, we studied the stoning of Stephen, right? It's the stoning of Stephen. Uh, Stephen was taken. Uh, he was arrested. He was lied about. He was falsely accused. And they took him and he preached and, and you know, defended himself with the, with the Old Testament scriptures that, that really uh, uh, defended the gospel and proved that Jesus was who he said he was and that they were guilty of what they did to him. And they, they liked it so much that they came upon him, drug him out of the city and stoned him. And then we see, uh, this is going to lead into chapter number eight. Now, how many of y'all remember when we said, when we started studying the Bible, that the chapters and verses are there for your easier study and memorization, right? So as we go through this, you're going to see that you just read right through chapter seven, right on into chapter number eight. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. All right, let's try it. Let's try it. <clears throat> Acts chapter uh, number seven in verse number 57. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Saul. Now we know him later on as the Apostle Paul. But this is basically pre-Jesus Paul, right? His name is Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was consenting. You see how you see how that's worded. You just go right into it. You don't take the take the chapters and verses out. It's a continual reading. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all what scattered, scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Let's read verse 4 again, everybody in concert. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the, the opportunity to be here tonight. I thank you for those that are committed enough to come out, even though they're tired and wore out and probably have a lot on their, uh, their plate. They came to study your word, and I pray that they will not leave disappointed. I pray that you'll help me articulate the words you've given me. I pray that you'll help me to remember the information that I have. 
And I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, we just want to glorify you and magnify you. You are such an awesome God and a wonderful Savior. And I pray that you'll please help us tonight. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. God will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. This is, this is, I hope, I hope is it a sign to things to come, uh, but this is going to be a fantastic lesson tonight, an hour and a half maybe before tonight's service. Uh, everything I had typed up went kapooey. <clears throat> I mean everything. I've been working on this thing and working on this thing and putting it together and putting the information and tons of verses and, 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 and outlining information and it was gone, every bit of it. And so we had to try to put stuff back together by memory. And maybe we'll get it all. We won't forget anything. Uh, but either way, here's what I want to do. I want to I try to do uh, a, a, little, uh, a little digging in before we get into the lesson. Because some of the things that I, 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 I looked up and studied uh, really helped me understand uh, more about what was taking place with the Apostle Paul when he was Saul and, and why Stephen was stoned. Uh, so in doing that, let's go back. If you will look, I think I put it in your notes there. Uh, if you will look at the top of your notes in Acts chapter six, verse nine, Acts chapter six, verse nine. Do you have that in your, in your notes right there? Okay. All right. Now here's what it says. Then there arose certain of the, what's that word? Synagogue, synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. These are all different synagogues. And, and so I looked that up, and I'm like, what's the deal with that? You know, what, what, what is the difference? What is the difference between the synagogues and, and the church? Because in modern day, you think about a, a synagogue, if there's a synagogue in Birmingham, you think, okay, that's just basically a Jewish church, right? I mean, that's what they call their church was a synagogue. That's, all, that's, that's basically what that is. And so I, I looked this up and, and I, I found out that in Jesus's day, there were 394 synagogues in Jerusalem alone. I thought we had plenty of churches in Coleman. 394 different synagogues. And everyone that's listed here, everyone that's listed here is basically the Hellenistic synagogues. Now, let me go back and say that for some of you that might be new. You say, what in the world is a Hellenistic synagogue or, or a Hellenistic Jew? These were Jews that were not originally born in Jerusalem. All right, they were not the, the Hebrew Jews, I guess if you want to put it that way. They were still Jew. They were uh, 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 from the nation of Israel, but they were from the diaspora or the dispersion around the Mediterranean, some in Syria, some in Damascus, and, and all of these that when how many of y'all remember when they were taken captive and spread out across the world? Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right. And, and so what happens is they come, they're, they're Jews, they're full-blooded Jews, but yet they were born overseas. They were born in other nations and they're speaking Greek, okay? They're speaking Greek and they're coming, they're influenced by the Greek uh, culture. They're, they're also speaking the Greek language, but yet they're Jews, but they're, they're responsible and they have a, a, 
a mandate to come back to Jerusalem to the temple three times a year. All right. It didn't matter where they're from. If they're going to be in Judaism and if they're going to they're going to worship in a Jewish way, they have to come back to Jerusalem at least three times a year for those festive and uh, uh, festivals and those meals. Pentecost, uh, y'all, the Passover. Are y'all with me? Everybody together? Y'all wait? Okay. All right. So they came at Pentecost. A lot of them trusted and believed in Christ and got saved and they didn't go nowhere. They just stayed there, even though they were from other countries, even though they were from spread out over the Mediterranean, they just stayed in Jerusalem. And then hence a couple, couple weeks ago, we studied that the Hellenistic Jews, their widows were being neglected. Y'all remember, y'all remember. So you have kind of a (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. You have kind of a faction here between the the ones who were raised, the native, if you will, the native Hebrew Jews, and then the Hellenistic Jews. So Stephen, Stephen is a Hellenistic Jew, and he's going to their synagogues. Now, now here's what I want to do. I want to read you the information I got on the synagogues to kind of help you understand what these are, and then we'll we'll go into this. I promise you, this will this will really it, it'll make it come alive. All right. Now watch. The earliest synagogues were known as houses of study, prayer, and assembly. Before any group of Jews could establish a new congregation and build or use a synagogue, they had to have at least 10 active male members, ages 13 or older, who could constitute a minion or a quorum of worshipers for the services that were to be held three times daily. These members would elect a board of elders who would supervise the religious practices and communal needs of the congregation, The elders would also appoint the teachers or the rabbis, as they later were called, or direct the the financial affairs of the synagogue. Thus, the synagogue was a a democratic, voluntary, and independent institution, and each synagogue determined its own needs and practices. This fact partially explains why there were hundreds of synagogues in Jerusalem during Christ's lifetime. They were also established every place where 10 male Jews could gather together. Paul, in his missionary journeys, when he would go to these foreign cities, y'all remember when he'd go to Sardis and uh, Philadelphia and and, and Thyatira and, and all these places that he would go, he would first go to the synagogue that was there, the Jewish synagogue. He would start there and then he'd work his way out. Does that make sense? Okay, now, they were established in every place where 10 male Jews could gather together. And Paul, in his missionary journeys, visited synagogues throughout the Mediterranean area many which were established centuries before the birth of Jesus. So here's what we've got. Here's what we've got. We've got the main temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Is everybody with me? All right. Now, and this is the place where they would do the animal sacrifices. You couldn't, you couldn't sacrifice animals anywhere but the temple, right? That's where they would come and they would offer the sacrifices for their sins at the temple. But in the villages in the nearby uh, hamlets and in, in, in the in the places abroad, everywhere there'd be all these little synagogues that they could come daily. They would only go to the temple three times a year, but they would go to these synagogues really daily. Sometimes, sometimes three times a day. And these were like many community centers in all of these different villages, all of these different places. Uh, they would have court there. They would do politics there. Uh, if there was something that needed to be done, uh, it was just like the, commu- the, the center of the community, kind of like 
in the old West, in the, in the old community days of, of our country, the church used to be that. It used to be the center of, of life in a community. If there was something that needed to be done, if there was something that needed to be taken care of, if there was somebody that needed help, they would all come to the church building, discuss the things that need to be done, and then go do it. Well, they would use these synagogues to come and study the word, pray together, uh, assemble, and worship God. Are y'all with me? And apparently, apparently, they were cliquish. So you would have you would have synagogues that would have native Hebrews in them, and then you would have synagogues that, that would have the Hellenistic Jews in them. And the ones listed here that are having a problem with Stephen, and remember, Stephen is Hellenistic. Okay, he's speaking Greek, right? He is a Jew that's speaking Greek. He's Hellenistic. So what has taken place? He has gone to all these synagogues and preaching the gospel. He's gone and he's trying to reach his own people and he's going to all these different synagogues and he's performing miracles. He's doing, he's a powerful, powerful preacher and they cannot dispute his word. Now they got a major problem with him. But look here, this is going to lead us into the the first point. Number one, number one. And you're going to think, why in the world we study all that? You'll see. Number one, I want you to see first the character that is now introduced. The character that's now introduced. So far in the book of Acts, the main character has been who? The apostle who? Peter. The apostle Peter. Okay. He's been kind of leading the way. He's been doing most of the preaching. He's been the, make, the main focal speaker, uh, the main preacher, the main leader. Uh, but now things, we're, we're, we're being introduced to a whole nother character. And this dude is a bad dude. Now, we're fixing, a, we're fixing a study parts of his life that most people never even hear of. And a lot of times, if you don't study your Bible, you never realize and you never see. But we're going to be introduced to Saul. Saul, uh, this is somebody, uh, this is somebody who, uh, is, is probably, he becomes, uh, I'll say it this way. He's probably the, the worst Christian there ever was and the best Christian there ever was. Maybe let's not change it. Let me say it this way. The worst sinner that got saved there ever was, but the best Christian that got saved that there ever was. Are y'all with me? You say, why in the world, why in the world would you say he was the worst sinner that God ever saved? Because Paul said it. I didn't say it. Paul said it. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. That means the head honcho, the big dog, the number one. And he said this. He said, the reason that God showed grace and saved me is to make me an example. And basically what Paul is saying, if God can save me, he can save Somebody say amen. So we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the worst dude that turned into the best dude. A man who, who, who wrote scriptures, who God uh, gave revelation to that he didn't give to any of the apostles, including Peter, and was instrumental in giving the true gospel of grace to the world. Uh, this, is, this is an incredible story, an incredible transformation, and we're not going to get to the good part yet. It's all going to be bad tonight, all right? So, so let's look in, our, let's look in our, our scriptures, and then we'll, we'll get into this, all right? Now, in, in, in Acts chapter number 7, in verse number 
58. All right, they're angry. The people, especially from the Hellenistic synagogues, who's come against, they have come against Stephen, and they're 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 angry. They're they're mad. They're going to kill him now. This is a mob riot, if you will, and they're trying to make it look legit. And and so they drag him out of the city uh, as they are commanded. All right, now look what it says in verse fifty-eight. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses. See, it was the law. It was required by law, the, the, the Jewish law, that whoever was the witness against the accused, they would be the ones responsible for throwing the first stone. So what's happening here? The witnesses, the false, by the way, by the way, false witnesses who have come against Stephen are taking off their coat to have a greater maneuverability to be able to do the murder which is fixing to take place. Does that make sense? So this is what's happening. Now, look what, look what it says. It says, And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. All right. Saul, and what does that mean when they lay down at his feet? They're not just saying, hey, man, you want to watch these for me? That's not what that means. It means authority. All right. When, when the people sold houses, what, when the people sold houses, we read this earlier in the book of Acts, and they had their, that lump of money, what did they do? The Bible says they came to the apostles and laid it at their, at their feet. In other words, they were giving them the responsibility and the authority to do whatever was necessary with it. This means that Saul was the one who was in authority in this situation. And some, some writers believe that he was an actual member of the Sanhedrin, which is a Jewish Supreme Court. Uh, but I believe this. I believe Saul was instrumental in stirring up this crowd. Saul was instrumental. He may have even instigated the whole thing. But the point being, the only one who had authority in the place and in the time was Saul. And he's here instigating a murder. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Down goes Frazier. <clears throat> let me get my glasses. All right. Now, two things. Let's, let's, let me give you, the, let me give you the, the words so you can write them down and then just look at me so we can, you can pay attention. All right? Two things that we're going to look at tonight. First is background. First is background. All right? And then, and then write this down. Then we, we're going to look at his behavior. Okay? His background and his behavior. Okay. Uh, were they able to get that picture for me? All right. I want to put this up. Put the picture up and I, look in your notes. Look in your notes, everybody, under background. Paul is giving kind of a biography. He's describing himself in his testimony in Acts chapter number 22. And this is what he says. Look in verse number 20, or 20, Acts 22, 3. I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye are this day. So, we find Paul, uh, can you, do you have the picture where it's, it's zoomed out, or is this the only picture you have? That's the only one we have. All right. They didn't do what I said. <clears throat> okay. Now, Tarsus, let me just tell you where this is. This is in modern-day Turkey, 
All right, so, so if, you have, if you have the Mediterranean Sea, if you have the Mediterranean Sea, you have Israel down here, and then up here you have Turkey, all right? How many of y'all know modern-day Turkey? Okay, uh, Tur- Tarsus is in Turkey, probably 12 miles from the, uh, uh, the Mediterranean Sea line, seashore, okay? So basically Paul's family, Paul's family was part uh, of descendants from the dispersion or the diaspora, so he was not born in Jerusalem. All right, he was a full-blooded Jew of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, you could trace his line. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a full-blooded Jew, but he was born in Tarsus on the Mediterranean, which would make him a what? A Hellenistic Jew. Okay, most of his writing was done in Greek. So what is, what is taking place? He, he's born in Turkey. He's born in Turkey, but, uh, I, I studied now. I don't, I, I can't prove this. I can't prove this. I only found one writer who, who, who put kind of a timeline out there, but, uh, he said, he said that, that he came to, he came to, uh, uh, Jerusalem at the age of, of I think it's five, I think, no, no, excuse me, at the age of 10, at the age of 10, and was trained under Gamaliel, which was the most renowned rabbi of that day. Probably uh, most writers said he was the greatest in antiquity. So he was basically a, a lawyer, a doctor of the law, and he trained and taught uh, Saul from, from a young man up, okay? So he had the highest training Possibly, possibly may have been, and the reason they say he may have been in the Sanhedrin, part of the Supreme Court there of, of uh, the Jewish people, was because in, in the one verse we're going to read here in a minute, he said, I gave my voice against them, or basically his vote, or means, which means to throw in a pebble. They would throw in a black pebble to be guilty, throw in a white pebble uh, to be not guilty. And so he had a vote in the matter, so they believe he might have been a part of the uh, uh, the Sanhedrin basically being, he was way up there in, in Jewish culture. Uh, uh, he was probably a very wealthy man at the time, very powerful, very popular. Let's, let's read what it says about him. Let's read what it says about him. It says, I was taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God as ye are all this day. Philippians three, watch what he says. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law. In other words, my nationality, I was a Jew. As touching the law, my religion, I was a Pharisee. All right. Concerned or basically a denomination of Judaism. You had the Sadducees and you had the Pharisees. He said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, what? Blameless. All right. So uh, this is a sure enough Jew and a high bred Jew, a high educated Jew, a, a very wealthy, powerful Jew who is Hellenistic. So if he's Hellenistic, speaking Greek and influenced by the Greek culture, which of those synagogues you think he'd go to? This is not difficult, people. 
Would he go to the Hebraic synagogues or the Hellenistic synagogues? Hellenistic synagogue. Where is Stephen? Where is Stephen going and preaching this gospel in all of these uh, synagogues? Which ones was he focusing on? Hellenistic ones. So what is that doing? The gospel undercuts Judaism because the Judaizers were saying you have to do, but the gospel says it's already been done. Are y'all with me? And the gospel was too good to be true. It was too good to be true. And Paul said, there's no way this can happen. He was zealous of the law. He was zealous of his religion. He was very, listen, animate about, listen, we are, this is the only way it is. And when he started hearing the gospel, it made him angry. It made him angry to the point he's going to stop this because he saw Stephen, he saw Stephen as a threat and as an enemy to the Jewish religion. Does this make sense? Now here's the crazy part. He thought, he thought he was doing God a favor. He was sincere. He was sincere. Now what does this teach us? We can be sincerely wrong. Right? I've heard people say, oh, but preacher, they might be a little off, but they're sincere. Listen, being sincere doesn't have anything to do with being right. Are y'all with me? Now, watch this. Watch this. Look at his behavior. Look at his behavior. It begins to describe first. now, 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 think about how this has progressed. Think about how this has progressed. From the very beginning, from Pentecost up until now, it kind of started with harassment, if you will. It kind of started with harassment. They just was harassing the leaders. All right. They would arrest them and threaten them. Okay. The harassment moved from threats and now they would arrest them and beat them, flog them just like they did Christ. Okay. Then it moved from that because they saw the threats didn't work and the beatings didn't work. And now, now they have taken and gone all the way to the point that they've killed Stephen. The persecution hasn't done anything but increased in intensity from, are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now watch, now watch what's taking place. We see his behavior. First, he instigates this killing of Stephen. He is there with the authority in the, in the time that Stephen is murdered. All right. They stone him. Then look at verse number uh, eight, chapter eight, verse one. And Saul was consenting. Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, at that time, there was great, come on everybody, there was great against the church, which was at Jerusalem. It was against the church. So in the beginning, it was just against the church leaders. Okay? It was just against the church leaders. The only ones that were being harassed, the only ones that were being messed with, the only ones that were being uh, uh, arrested or dealt with was the church leaders. If y'all with me, say amen. But now, now it's coming against everybody. It's coming against the people in the pews. It's coming against the congregants, if you will. Now, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. This great persecution... This great persecution, what did it entail? Look in verse 30, verse number three, verse number three, as for Saul, he made havoc, read that word. He made, now the word there means to tear its prey, 
How many y'all? How many y'all ever watched uh, 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 National Geographic? How many y'all see that lion grab that zebra? <clears throat> it's not a pretty sight. Are y'all with me? It means to mangle its prey, to tear the flesh. And, and that is the illustration that's given that Paul is tearing apart the church. He is, he is wreaking havoc on the church. Now, how's he doing that? How's he doing that? Look what it says. Look what it says. He, the Bible says in verse number three, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing, that means dragging, hailing men and women. I mean, he was not discriminating at all. Hailing men and women, committing them to prison. All right, now watch this. Let's look at our verses. <clears throat> Let's look at our verses. That's, that's 8 verse 3. Look what he says in Acts 22, 4. Acts 22, 4. All right. It says, and I persecuted this way. Talking about Christianity. The way of the cross. The way of the gospel, right? I persecuted this way unto the death. Unto the death. Binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Acts 26 verse 9. Acts 26 verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison. Having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, here it is, I gave my, my voice, my vote, if you will. That's why some believe that he was part of the Sanhedrin. When they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them off, watch this, in every what? Synagogue. And compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad. The word mad there means a rage. A crazed rage. You see somebody in a rage, uncontrollable rage. Exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even under strange cities. Now let's think about this. Let's break this down. First, we see this religious zealot who is so consumed with Judaism in the law that he has learned under Gamaliel, the, 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 the scribe and the rabbi, that he comes against the church, this enemy, uh, this threat that he perceives. And he's thinking he's doing God a favor. He's thinking he's doing uh, the right thing by destroying this movement. I've got to stop this thing because everything about the gospel, everything about Christianity is going against the, the law and it's going against works and, and being in his mind what it meant to be holy. But he was caught up in the traditions. And so what he's doing, he's going to those synagogues, the same places, the same places that Christians were meeting at. All right? They were meeting in all of these places. They were meeting house to house. Remember? House to house. So what was he doing? He would go house to house. And if they claimed Christ, he would take and arrest them and drag them to prison. When he got them to prison, when he got them to prison, he would torture them. Did you read that? He would do everything he could to get them to deny their faith and get them to blaspheme. The word compel means to torture. So he would literally torture men and women, probably children. 
to try to get them to deny Christ. And if they would not deny Christ, he would vote to put them to death. And this is happening all over Jerusalem. All over Jerusalem. Imagine if the doors burst open and soldiers came in and if you would not deny Christ, they would either shoot you on the spot or drag you to prison to torture you there. That's what was happening. This one that we call St. Paul, he was anything but a saint. He was cruel. He was mean. Some would even say he was sadistic. Paul even said to himself he was mad. Not mad as in angry, but in a rage. How many of y'all have seen, anybody ever seen, witness a dog fight? Maybe you had two dogs that, you know, and, and, and usually, normally, normally, they mind you and do whatever you say. You, hey, come here, stop that, heal what. But when they get in a fight, they just go mad. They go, you, you, you can't control them. You can't do anything with them. They don't listen. There's nothing in the world but them too. And they're just in a wreck. That's, that's what Paul was. That's what Paul was. And he, he lived to destroy Christians. And he would drag mothers and he would drag fathers out of homes. I don't have to go anymore now. Y'all, does everybody get the point? And it started with Stephen. It started with Stephen. Now, let's look a minute. Let's look a minute at Stephen. When we read the, when we read the life of Stephen, and we read about his character, we read about his service, we read about his power, the Bible says he was full of faith in the Holy Ghost. He, he, he had power to heal. He had power to, uh, 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 to do miracles. And I read, I read in, in one writer who said he believed he was 32 years old. Very young man. Had the whole world ahead of him. Had so much promise. And, 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 and man, what a waste. What a waste. This man is preaching the gospel. He has the power of God on him. And he has the ability to articulate the Old Testament scriptures in such a way to convince Jews. And and now he's dead. Why would God let that happen? I mean, why would God allow, why would God allow somebody with so much promise and so much potential? This doesn't even make sense. This is crazy. We need people like that. The gospel needs preachers like that. This world needs people like that. What was the Lord thinking? I know y'all are a whole lot more spiritual than I am. But sometimes I question why in the world God does some of the things he does. But we got to keep reading. We got to keep reading. Because there's more to this story than meets the eye. Are y'all with me? We see the character that's introduced, his, his belief, his 
behavior, his background. Then number two, I want you to see the church. The church that's idle. The church that's idle. And I'll talk about the description of it, but let's first look at two things and then we'll, then we'll come back to it. Write these two things down. First, the suffering it experienced. The suffering it experienced. Then write the scattering. And we'll come back. That way you can write it down and then just listen. The suffering and the scattering. Look what Jesus told them. Look what Jesus told them in John 15, 20. Let's all read it. Some of y'all are falling asleep on me, so let's all read it. John 15, 20. Let's read it together. Y'all ready? Remember the word. Everybody read it. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will. Are y'all with me? If they persecute me, they will also. Look what it says in John 16. Let's all read it together. Verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be. They shall put you out of the what? Synagogues. Now we know what they are. Now we know how many they were. They were everywhere, right? They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, say it with me, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God. Now does that not explain what's happening? If they persecute me, they're going to. Now here's what I want to say about that. Here's what I want to say about that. Uh, You having a bad day is not necessarily persecution. Is everybody with me? Matter of fact, most of the problems we have have nothing to do with persecution and have nothing to do with Jesus. Your flat tire doesn't mean you're living holy. It means you got cheap tires. Are y'all with me? I mean, I see people post all the time. Well, I'm just telling you what, the devil's fighting me. This is happening, that's happening. And, and I know the devil's not fighting them because they're on the devil's side because I've seen them other posts they made that had curse words all in them. <laughs> Are y'all with me? And we, we have this idea that if you're, if you're a professed Christian, then all the bad stuff that's happening to you is the devil. But that's, that's just not true. That's just part of life. We're living in a cursed society. We live in a cursed world. We live in cursed bodies. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all have realized no matter how holy you live, you're still getting old? I saw the coolest thing. I saw the coolest thing posted. Y'all know that 10-year thing? The 10-year deal where you post a a picture. Now, I don't know how they could know that it was 10 years ago, but people are posting, you know. I saw the perfect one. It said... Before, and it had perfect writing. And 10 years later, everything was blurry. <laughs> I said, that's me right there. Amen. I could read without glasses 10 years ago. But no matter what, we, we, we're, we're, this, is, this is life. 
You know, our bodies break down, our cars break down, our houses break down. We're, we're living in a dying world, a dying society, a dying culture. And, and, but but what, what we see here is they are being persecuted for the cause of Christ. Now, if you were arrested because you came to church, that's what I'm talking about. If you, if you were under the threat of the death of your life because you named the name of Christ, that's what I'm talking about. If you are being ridiculed and you are being uh, uh, persecuted at church because you have a Bible on your desk or because you're, you're witnessing, that's what I'm talking about. Now, I want to help everybody understand this. We, we are spoiled rotten in America, but it's coming. Persecution is coming. And I would, I, I, I hate to say this, I hate to say this, but I'm afraid we may need a little bit. Somebody read me the title. Come on. Come on. I don't like it either. Why in the world would you say that difficulty was necessary? What's the, what's the, somebody read to me the second point. The main, the main point. Say it again. What was the last word? What does idol mean? Not I-D-O-L, but I-D-L-E. Say it again. Stand up and say it real loud. Come on, you hurricane fans. Stand up so they can see you in the balcony. Standing still. Standing still. No movement. What do you mean? The church is idle. Let's go back. <clears throat> Let's go back. Let's go back to Acts 1.8. Take your Bibles. Go back to Acts 1.8. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Acts 1.8. What colors are you reading? Red. Now we've done read this verse 500,000 times here at Temple. So you should be familiar with it. You ought to have it memorized by now. Good. Good, good, good. That's... But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is what? Come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. All right. Now, this is for every believer, correct? Every believer. Every believer. Right? Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. And? All right. Jerusalem and Judea. Samaria. And where? All right. Now, who said that? He gave that to all of us, right? But primarily, primarily the early church. Okay, go. He said, he's telling them, go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise. The promise happened at Pentecost, right? Promise happened at Pentecost. And, and, and they received the Holy Spirit. They received power. Man, things are great. Thousands are being saved and this just everything. But where are they at? Jerusalem. That's right. Jerusalem. But they're still in Jerusalem. So technically, they are standing still. They're idle. 
Maybe they're comfortable. Maybe, maybe they like Jerusalem. Maybe going abroad, maybe pulling up roots and going, oh, ho, ho, ho. Maybe, maybe the idea of leaving behind was just too complicated. Maybe it was, maybe it was, uh, uh, y'all gonna love this word, too inconvenient. Just too inconvenient. Why should we leave Jerusalem? It's going so good. But they were in Jerusalem. But Jesus said, Jerusalem and, and. Don't, don't, don't not reach Jerusalem, but don't just reach Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Right? Now watch this. Watch this. This is amazing. This is amazing. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Now watch this. Look in verse, look in chapter 8. Verse number 1. And by the way, this may not mean nothing, but I thought it was kind of cool. What we just read a while ago. If you say the Bible, I'm kicking you out of the church. <laughs> what do we just read? What chapter and verse? Come on, everybody. Acts 1 8. Acts 1 8. 1 8. What are we fixing to read? He said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Acts 1, we're all ready to chapter 8. Watch this. Watch, 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 watch. I'm going to have to buy you a little pulpit put right down there. You helped me so much. And I like your little blue hair, too. That's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's pretty neat. And I'm glad you, you, you're doing better. I really am. You, you look like you're, you're feeling good. All right. Amen. If y'all only knew the physical problems and the surgeries and everything that this poor child gone through, you would, you would just thank Jesus. She's here today. Amen. All right. Now watch. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And by the way, uh, I'd rather that than the one sleeping. So God bless you. Amen. All right. Now watch. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at where are they supposed to be? Judea, Samaria, but where are they still at? Jerusalem. Now watch this. Now watch this. What took place in Jerusalem? It says it right there. Say it again. Not just persecution. Great persecution. Great persecution. Now, now think about this. You remember, I, I got to hurry because we're going to run out of time. 
it's, it's increased. It started with harassment. It, 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 it went to actual arrests. And then beatings, floggings. And now somebody's died. And, 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 and now church members are dying. Not just a church leader, not just a main speaker, main preacher, but now they're dragging them out of homes. I wonder, I wonder if any of that would have took place if they would have done in the very beginning what God told them to do. Because this is what I'm going to see. Watch this. Watch. Look what it says. Verse number one, you remember, one eight says, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the uttermost parts of the word, and, and be witnesses of me, take the gospel to all them places, correct? Now, we're in Acts now, we're in Acts 8, now watch, where's the church at? Jerusalem, so where's the persecution take place? Now, what kind of persecution? Great, it has increased in crescendo, right? It has been building and building and building and building. Now watch, now watch. And they were all scattered. What caused the scattering? The persecution. Watch this. Let's see where they were scattered. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of and whoop. Y'all with me? And it, you say, what about the uttermost? If you keep reading the chapter, at the end of the chapter, an Ethiopian gets saved. That's the uttermost as you get from there. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know what I think? How many of y'all have ever, how many of y'all have ever picked up a salt shaker and it kind of got hard on you? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So what'd you do? Y'all with me? Don't act like y'all never done that, people. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand. And what'd you do? You shook it furiously to get it where it belongs. You know, I think sometimes church people get stuck. We get comfortable. We get satisfied. We get, and God has to allow some pain, some uncomfortable difficulty to get us to do what we should have done in the beginning. And, and, and God didn't start out. Now think, I'm saying this, I'm saying this. This might be a little speculation, which I don't like to do, but there's a possibility. It didn't start out with them being drug out of their houses. It started out with just a little harassment. But it took them being drug out of their houses before they would. Y'all with me? Write these things down. Write this down. We see the cause ignited. 
We see the cause ignited. Here's what happened. Saul was doing his best. Does anybody know what a palm frond is? Anybody from Florida in here? All right. Y'all know what a palm frond is. Palmetto frond. It's like a big fan. Right? Well, trust me. Okay? It's a big fan. Look it up. Google it when you get home. There's palmetto. There was palmetto patches down in Florida when I grew up and and then big palm fronds, they, it'd just be like a big fan. We, we'd play with them as kids. And, 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 and there was a time when I was little, <clears throat> we had a fire and, uh, and love camping, that kind of thing. And, and uh, I was going to put out a fire. And I thought this palm frond was a great idea to put out this, this fire. You know, it's big and wide. It covered a whole fire. So I took that palm frond, wham, that, and landed on that fire. And it was basically coals and ashes and embers and all that. What do y'all think happened? <sighs> I didn't put the fire out. What I do? I scattered it. And that's exactly what happened. Paul tried to stamp out the fire. And when he did, it just scattered it. Because the people that were hunkered down in Jerusalem who had the truth and had the gospel, now they're fleeing for their lives and they're fleeing for their own safety. But they're not going alone and they're not going without something. They're going with the gospel and the power and the commission from the Holy Spirit. Say amen. Now watch this. Write this down. Write this down. Movement is created by persecution. Movement it's created by persecution. Hurry up, hurry up, write it, because I got a lot to read here. Movement is created by persecution. God's purpose, you can put purpose there, but you, you need to put God beside it. God's purpose was fulfilled by the movement. His purpose was fulfilled by the movement. Now, the persecution is what instigated the, the, the movement, right? The Bible says they went everywhere. Why did they go everywhere? Because of the persecution. They were getting drug out of their houses and tortured and killed, right? And because of the persecution, it created movement. So they had to go. They had to go. What's the first word? What's the first word of the Great Commission? Right? And the persecution made them... Now, here's what I know. A lot of y'all tonight, you just don't, you don't really seem into it tonight. But, but I hope you understand this, that if you're a true child of God and you're not fulfilling his purpose for your life, you got something coming. If you belong to God and you're not fulfilling his purpose, God will shake the salt shaker. He will wake you up one way or the other. You are correct, ma'am. He will get your attention. If it takes persecution to do it. You with me? What did the movement do? They took the gospel everywhere they went. Specifically name Samaria and Judea, right? Was that not where God said to go in the first place? Are y'all with me? Now, let's read this verse and see if it doesn't have a new meaning for you. 
Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. We love this, but I think we, we, we take it out of context sometimes. And we know that all things work together. Let's put persecution. Put persecution right there for things. For good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His. What did persecution accomplish? God's purpose. Are y'all with me? Now here's the thing. According to Paul's own testimony. Now, now look at me a minute. We're, we're at like two minutes. So look at me because I want to read this to you. This is, this is really important. According to Paul's own testimony. He was affected by what he saw with Stephen. I think two different times he gave his testimony when he was being interrogated, when he was sharing his testimony for, for the gospel's sake. Two different times. He said and he spoke specifically about when Stephen died. In this hardcore, hardcore, religious, Jewish, Judaizing zealot, when he saw a man in his dying breath with the grace of God all over him say, Lord, don't, don't lay this sin to their charge. That affected Saul deeply. And because of that, it's a great possibility if it hadn't been for the prayer of Stephen, we'd have never got our Paul. We think, we think that Stephen was such a massive waste of talent and ability and spiritual power. But there's no disputing the effect. You have a Bible in your hand because of the Apostle Paul. Preacher, what are you saying? Don't ever underestimate what God can do with persecution. He not only accomplished his purpose of getting the gospel to the edge of the earth and to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost, but he used persecution to reach a man by the name of Saul and turn him into Paul, who became the greatest missionary that ever walked this planet. Are y'all with me? Now listen to this. Listen to this. On Sunday, January the 8th, 1956, on a shore of a lonely river deep in the Ecuadorian jungle, five missionaries were murdered by primitive Aka Indians. News of the massacre shocked the world. To some, their death seemed a senseless tragedy. Many decried the promising missionary careers that were cut short. The five young wives that were, listen, who had lost their husbands, the children who were left fatherless. But those with a deeper spiritual insight saw things differently. 
Nate Saint, who was one of the missionaries who were killed, in his writing, Elizabeth Elliot wrote this, in, in, in which was the, the, the widow of Jim Elliot, who was also killed. In her book, Through Gates of Splendor, Nate Saint said, As we weigh the future and seek the will of God, does it seem right that we should hazard our lives for just a few savages? As we ask ourselves this question, we realize that it is not the call of the needy thousands. Rather, it is a simple intimation of the prophetic word that there shall be some from every tribe in his presence in that last day. And in our hearts, we feel that it is pleasing to him that we should be interest ourselves in making an opening into the Aka prison for Christ. Elizabeth Elliot, she wrote this. To the world at large, this was a sad waste of five young lives. But God has a plan and a purpose in all things. There were those whose lives were changed by what happened on Palm Beach. Palm Beach was the beach on that river where they landed and they were speared to death by the Aka Indians. In Brazil, a group of Indians at a mission station deep in the Mato Grosso, upon hearing the news, dropped to their knees and cried out to God for forgiveness for their own lack of concern for fellow Indians who did not know Jesus Christ. From Rome, an American official wrote to one of the widows, I knew your husband. He was to me the ideal of what a Christian should be. An Air Force major stationed in England with many hours of jet flying immediately began making plans to join the Missionary Aviation Fellowship. A missionary in Africa wrote, Our work will never be the same. We knew two of the men. Their lives have left their mark on ours. Off the coast of Italy, an American naval officer was involved in an incident at sea. And as he floated alone on a raft, watch this, this is so powerful. Man, this got me today. He recalled Jim Elliott's words, which he had read in a news report. Jim Elliott said this, When it comes to time to die, make sure that all you have to do is die. When it comes time to die, make sure all you have to do is to die. Do, do you get that? In other words, nothing's left undone. You're ready to go. You've been obedient to your purpose in life and, and, and you are awaiting the words that say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listen, when he came, he prayed that he might be saved knowing that he, might, that he had more to do than die. He was not ready. God answered his prayer and he was rescued. In Des Moines, Iowa, an 18-year-old boy prayed for a week in his room, then announced to his parents, I'm turning my life over completely to the Lord. I want to try to take the place of one of those five. Preacher, what are you saying? To the world, it seemed like a huge waste. But a mighty move of God took place from persecution. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's a couple of things we need to take from this. One, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, God has the ability to get our attention. And all God's people say it. Amen. Two, 
if we're truly being persecuted for the cause of Christ, for truly doing what God has called us to do, have no fear because God will get glory and he will bring good out of it one way or another. And all God's people say it. All right. Y'all ready? Well, let's pray. I'm five minutes over. So if you have children here, run and get them and tell them their clock is wrong. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you.